All right, everybody, welcome into A Tribe Called Dad. My name is DJ Hoppa. So excited to have a friend of mine, Rob Howard, is joining me here today. What up, man? Uh, sound effects. <laughs> it got, uh, gotta have the sound effects. We, we've got too many toys. You've got the exact same uh, Roadcaster Pro board in front of you, and I've got sound effects too, so I can give you, a, I can give yeah, you one of those. We can yeah. do all sorts of things. Now, listen. <laughs> I haven't been able to uh, podcast, so I'm excited. So, really, honestly, how I'm doing, I'm excited because I haven't used this board and this mic to podcast, and I well, also have never done it via Zoom. So, like, this is hard. Yeah, man, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you did it. I know that you have some reservations, and hopefully, um, I'm not going to screw this up for you. <laughs> now you're like, this is exactly why I'm never going to do a Zoom podcast. Uh, speaking of podcast, you are a podcaster, amongst other things. You have a podcast called Men of the Village. Yes, sir. Men of the Village. And it's a really dope. I mean, it honestly is a great compliment to A Tribe Called Dad. I feel like we talk about similar things, but you focus on uh, men in general, not necessarily fathers. Um, right. And there's just so much crossover that's there. But you guys get into deep conversations. Uh, it gets... It sometimes gets heated. Uh, it's it's real. It's honest. Um, I dig it, man. I love it. Yeah, man. We've talked about all kinds of stuff, but fatherhood has come up. Uh, yes, as well as like one of our um, one of my co-hosts. He is not a father yet, but he has fathering responsibilities in his life. So he talks yep. through that perspective too. Man, I mean, this is such a big topic, uh, fatherhood in general, and I wanted to talk to you about it. Uh, first of all, I should mention your sort of nine to five, if you will. You've got multiple hats that you wear. You are a, truly a creative entrepreneur or an entrepreneur who is a creative person, either way, however you want to put it. Uh, I mean, you and I actually originally met when you were making beats and DJing. Yeah, I was doing music. I used DJing as a platform to get the artists that I was rocking with out to the crowd without a big budget. So I would invite people to parties and I would DJ and slip music through a mixtape that I would hand out afterwards on some promo. And then also like if we had a joint that could fit in between some yep. songs in a mix, I would throw our song in there, uh, especially in B room. So yeah, that's how we met. And then I was bringing young people to scratch uh, with uh, Evita uh, through like after school programs. I met you again. And then the pit, yeah. <laughs> the pit was the spot. Bro, like we've connected so many different ways. Right. We've had like multiple points of connection. Shout out to Sticks too, by the way, who that's probably one of our, our other connections that's there. And um, yeah, I was going to say your nine to five gig though, you specialize in restorative justice. Yeah. Which I feel like, I mean, with everything going on in the world right now, I mean- I'm busy. There's a need for you. <laughs> I'm busy right now. Uh, yeah, I was about I to think say. my rates have gone up if I'm going to charge people uh, and start getting new contracts. But it's all via Zoom and WebEx right now. So it's phone calls, coaching, it's uh, thinking of new training opportunities and Zoom calls and mediations and stuff like that. So tell us for anybody who's out there who doesn't know anything about restorative justice or what somebody who would be a specialist when it comes to restorative justice, like where you would be implemented, what you go and do for yeah. some of the different brands or organizations that you work for with. So my main gig is working in education. Uh, restorative justice has come up in the last 10 years as an alternative to suspension and punishment because we've seen that in schools specifically, suspensions and expulsions have gone up 
Mm. And if it was an effective tool, the theory would be then it's working if there's less, right? Like right. if the True. way that we're punishing people makes less of the problem happen, then it's working. So there were some lawsuits going on in the Department of Education and different schools were looking for like, well, what do we do? How do we do this educational thing differently? And uh, I happened to be someone who had uh, expertise at the time locally in LA working in schools. Um, and I'm called in to do training and coaching and consulting. I do youth programs to support at the youth level when young people have problems with each other, when there's conflict between students and staff, specifically teachers or mm. staff and staff. I'm there to help mediate those conflicts, but also get to the root causes on the preventative side so that there's less problems coming behind it. So preferably they call me in before there's before an issue. Before it happens. But uh, if I do my yeah. job well, I'll find the issue. We'll try to iron them out as well as possible. I also get called for... Um, the community stuff, like I've had parents reach out to me who are like, hey, there's this thing going on and we don't know how to make it better. We don't know how to heal from it because mm. healing is the root of justice in my approach. It's not about per se a punishment or a consequence. It's what is needed to make this thing as right as possible is the question that we're asking and seeking through the process. I've also recently, um, since COVID, been reached out by corporations to not yep. only do um, diversity and anti-oppression work, but to heal from acknowledging, hey, there's some stuff that happened, even if it was not our intention, there's stuff that happened around race, gender, and sexual orientation, and we don't want to get stuck here. What do we do to move forward? So mm. um, I get called for a lot of stuff now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I gotta imagine, man, your phone is probably off the hook right now. If you don't text me, I don't, I don't answer. <laughs> My emails <laughs> are just sitting in there right now. Uh, how did you even get into all of that? Like, how did you go from all the stuff that you were doing with music or was this happening sort of, sim did this all stuff, did all of this stuff happen simultaneously? Man, listen, so I went to Cal State Northridge. I yep. stayed local. I lived in Inglewood while I was driving the commute to the valley in the heat. Ooh. And um, while pursuing my education, I always was doing music, right? And the, the squad that I was working with it was the idea is to develop an independent label and get on and not like sell our masters. Not like that was the, the chase, but I didn't have no money. <laughs> so since I knew I didn't have any money, I made sure my focus on education was still something that uh, I didn't give up on. And after I got my bachelor's in Africana studies or Pan-African studies at the time, um, I got recommended to go to this nonprofit that was a human relations organization based in Long Beach. And human relations is like the, the idea that, hey, humans have a lot of identities and mm -hmm. some of those identities are in conflict with each other, even internally. Like I could be a skateboarder and a Christian or I could have tattoos, but right. have this spiritual belief. Like there's conflict within me, right? Like even if I'm multiracial, it might be like, well, if I'm on this side, then I'm on this and the stereotypes of me or the prejudices about me, they're in conflict. So. Right. We would do trainings um, and also like gang intervention because I happen to be black and <laughs> you know they needed a black dude who's articulate could speak to different folks, different identities and cultures. And I could do corporate, I could do principal, I could do young, I can do LGBT, I can, I can speak in all these different spaces. And when restorative justice started coming up, I didn't know what it was and I actually wasn't really a part of that movement, but there were some beliefs that I had that connected there. Um, the idea of respect and treating others how you want to be treated, the idea that our differences are valuable and we need difference. Uh, we don't, mm. I don't think everybody being the same, 
would be a good world. I actually think there would be a lot of conflict because of that too. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So as a conflict mediator, as a facilitator, as somebody who developed curriculum and um, trainings, they were like, hey, we can't think of nobody better than you to go to this first school in Long Beach. It was a, a continuation school. A lot of the throwaways from Long Beach Unified were getting mm-hmm. thrown there. Suspensions was high. On-campus on gang fights was high. Just a lot of stuff. And um, graduation weight was a little risky, a little like, eh. So they're like, hey, why don't you go here? <laughs> I said, all right. So I got trained from practitioners from Oakland, uh, Fanya Davis's uh, organization called R Joy. Fanya Davis is uh, Angela Davis's sister. <laughs> and so Fanya oh, wow. Davis's squad had some trainers that were practicing maybe a couple years before me in Oakland. Um, and I got trained by them. I observed their school. I had questions. They put me on. And then I had some other uh, trainers who or a part of the legal side, like how do you do this in connection to crime and court? Hmm. And from there, I'm getting all this stuff and those checks are what I was using to pay for studio times and gasoline and <laughs> CD presses and t-shirts and flyers. CD presses, you, yes. You remember, I had a CD burner. <laughs> I remember. I had, a, I had the first burner that you could burn and write on and print. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I remember fries. that. Yeah, where you could, and there was like the laser, right? Yes, You'd put the laser, print laser? Print to the CD. Yeah, yeah. That was the time that I was doing this. Yeah, we had a uh, we had a. I invested in a CD tower burner thing that was ten uh, different drives. Yeah, I had the fries in the uh, the. the, There was a a website (laughs) early that would sell those things, and I was like, dang, if I can just get that much money, (laughs) I could definitely flip that by selling these CD. Oh man, we 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 tried everything, man. We tried everything, but that that's that's how you learn, right? Like that's the that's the hustle. That is the hustle. And the learning is the good part. Like everyone thinks the money or the fame is the good part. I think the experience is the good part. One hundred percent because you can take that with you. Uh-huh. Right? The money's gonna come and go, fame is gonna come and go. But yeah, you'll always be able to have that knowledge that you can put back into whatever else you decide to work on. Um, speaking of which, you also have a clothing company. Uh, I, I don't want to just call it only a clothing company, but yes, you have a it, Love LLC, the Love LLC, which is just dope. I'm so um, I'm so about all of the messages that you guys are putting out for that. Talk to me a little bit about that. First of all, I'm gonna say thank you as my friend to support um, the idea well, behind the Love LLC is to promote love and positivity. Um, I believe in entrepreneurship, and I also believe in doing something to make money that you're proud to make money on. So I'm not gonna put out something or sell something or a service that I provide that I'm not really proud about. So when I think about one of my core values, love and positivity is what I'm about. These items that people wear, I think no matter if it's my company or another company, if it has something on it, there's an energy, there's a message and you're wearing that message. And sometimes we wear stuff because it's cool or trendy or because it was free, <laughs> that aren't really in line with our values. And it's like, mm, what does this do? What does this do to the audience? What does this do to the, to the public? So what I did was I wanted to put out stuff that I believed in. So I'm actually wearing a shirt right now on my Zoom. You can't it's, really it's, see it. it's so dope. Hug life. The hug yeah. life joint, right? My hat that I'm wearing says 143, which is, you know, I love you. If you remember Music Soldier House song or Pager Code, that's why I said Pager Code, yeah. So yep. like, you know, some people are like, what does it 143 stand for? I'm like, oh, I love you. Literally, that's what it's, it's about. And I love you. Thank you for asking. Yes. <laughs> so it's just like little yes. messages. Um, I have a shirt that just came out called uh, that says, uh, love thy neighbor. Just a reminder of the golden rule. 
And under that is like, love your neighbor as you love yourself is actually what it says. So loving yourself and self-care and all that's in there too. But, you know, just keep it short and simple. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, you are you are definitely a busy guy. In addition to that, you are a father, obviously, yeah, which is job. why you're here. Um, I think first and foremost, you're a father, a uh, father of two children. Your oldest is 13, yep. Robert. Yep. And then uh, you have a baby girl that is 10 months old. Is that right? Brand new. Yeah. She just started taking the first steps. Amazing. Amazing. Now, having that big of a gap between the kids, talk to me a little bit about that. Where Was there a lot of relearning <laughs> that you had to do? <laughs> Man, the first learning was, the I did the math. The year my son is going to graduate high school is the year my daughter starts kindergarten. And I wow. was like, I did that, huh? That's what, that's what we, cho <laughs> we chose that. That's a decision. You did that to yourself, yeah. man. You did nobody that. make that happen? I did that. But what I knew is, as a father to little Rob, um, I knew fatherhood was some, one of my, my favorite things about life. Even before becoming a father, young people and working with young people through nonprofits and sports and arts and you know how we connected mm -hmm. uh, through music was something that brought me joy. Even if it didn't bring me a lot of money at the time, it brought me joy. So I focused on passion first. And as a creative, I was like, let me figure it out. But then I got an opportunity to be a dad and I was like, that was life changing, a paradigm shift for me to be able to see life again through someone else's lens and then learning about life through someone else's experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, challenging, well, what do, you, what do you think about this? Or what, what's your belief on this? What's your real core value here? What would you do here? And I've always said that as a man, um, yeah, you have a mom, hopefully. Yeah, you have some friends or a partner, hopefully, in your life that you can connect empathetically through. But I was like, I know the way that my son transformed my uh, emotion and transformed my presence, the way mm. that I show up. I was like, I know a daughter has the potential to do even more. And I prayed for a daughter and just lucked up and got one. So girl dad <laughs> and a boy dad. Man, uh, there is, uh, speaking from experience as well in being a girl dad and having two girls, I mean, it really is this bond between father and daughter is, you know, obviously the bond between father and son, which I'll get a chance to experience as well. But the... Hey, different sound effect bank oh uh, there you go there you go a little applause there yeah. um yeah man i feel like there's just such a different way that you will approach that right like i'm sure your relationship with your son uh is and will be different than your relationship with your daughter absolutely all right how i guess how do you um what have you learned from Lil Rob and what you as a dad with Lil Rob that you will then now apply to Jordan? Man, so one of my first lessons that my son taught me was about honesty and was about good and bad. Like the question of what is good, what is bad, what does a good person do versus what does a bad person do, what makes them different mm. um, was something that my son explored early. Um, and I didn't have the script, there was no book to be able to give my child the answer. Like, this is what a good person is in a way that would connect to his generation and his identity as right. a young boy at that age, um, being born in 2007, which is like the same year as an iPhone. Like, he was born mm. when the iPhone came out. 
um which that's a crazy that is crazy shift, too right yeah um so i remember him feeling bad when he made a mistake and him going like oh i'm just a bad person i'm just a mm. bad kid and i'm like no that's not it and he's like well what's the difference and i'm like actually i don't know the di- I, it's an opinion so i had to like really figure that out and i couldn't just freestyle a bs answer because my son likes truth for some reason his core value I think it's something that is important to him is truth and mm. getting truth and playing with truth was something as a young person um, that came up in our relationship. So I think that lesson has brought me to how much truth do you give to a child? Are you shielding them in a way that's harmful? Like you protect them from right. information and truth or like why would I do that differently for a daughter? Would I do it differently for a daughter? Would I mm-hmm. not tell the story? Would I not give the answer? Would I not explore the the, the full story and gambit of the story? Right. I don't know because I, I kind of want to protect, but why? What makes me want to protect the girl and not the boy? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And I I think that maturity also has a lot to do with truth, right? I mean, you can be honest and truthful about something. I mean, for my six-year-old to ask, uh, you know, if my six-year-old were to ask me, where do babies come from? There'd be some element that I would probably leave out right, at, right. Th- at this age. She's just not, she doesn't have the maturity level to be able to process that. And so, yes, I do though agree with the idea and the notion that um, I think that we should be truthful to our kids um and it is a tough balance to figure out like when are you being overprotective or you know actually borderline harmful when you're you know not giving them the real explanation for why this is you know when i first got that from my son yeah it was around holidays and like easter bunny santa claus and stuff yeah tooth fairy and how old was he do you remember it was like five, six when he was asking yeah. questions like, so what, like, where does he live and how does he get in the house <laughs> and why is there a person with money taking teeth? And like, right. like, I was like, I'm not gonna lie to you about that, bro. But then I'm telling him the truth and then does his mom, does his friends, right. parents. So then now he's right. coming around with this dual challenge. Like, does he tell everybody in his class or in his daycare? <laughs> like, right. And he's, yeah, you're just going to start getting phone calls from, yeah, exactly. Oh, it happened. It happened. Oh, it did? It happened. We what was it? It was around even, Santa Claus even, or what? Yeah, we don't have fairy? a chimney. I was like, the door is locked. The window is locked. We live in Inglewood. It's not happening. There's nobody <laughs> coming in the house. Right. Even if the story sounds good. There's no one coming out. As a matter of fact, I want you to know that we chose these presents and we worked, yep. put in hours to find them and wrap them because we thought it would make you happy. And then that made us happy. Um, we don't have a chimney. I, <laughs> I eat the cookie. <laughs> like, right. It's a, right. And he was like, oh, that's cool. And then I got a call <laughs> from somebody else's parents uh, who they hadn't had that conversation as a family yet to even figure yeah. out if they wanted to. I'm like, yeah, you don't raise your kids in a silo, right? Like your True. kids are in a world where there are other kids and those values, those beliefs, those truths, those things are coming into your child's world, whether you want them or not, whether you're ready for them or not, if you know, you're not prepared. 
Right. So I think that's the other side of that is as a parent who then knows that that is floating around, that's also another reason why it's probably best to figure out where your line is with the truth. Um, I think one of the worst things that I fear as a parent and that I don't want to happen, I want to ensure that that doesn't happen, is that my kids don't trust me. Ah, yeah. Right? Because now if they're just like, ah, yeah, but dad just tells lies. So we can't believe that. You know, and even if it's something as innocent as Santa Claus or the, <laughs> the Easter Bunny or whatever. So my wife actually told um, our oldest daughter, Ellie, asked about it. My wife was honest with her. I think she might have been like four or something like that or four or five, uh, about the same age as, as your uh, son was when he found that out. And uh, she told Ellie, okay, so I will tell you the truth here. And I'll tell you the honest truth because I don't want to lie to you. But this is something that is going to be between us that I want you to, you know, because there's other kids that believe the, the other part. And there's still the magic that's there for some of these kids or for your baby sister. She's still, you know, let's let her figure it out. Yeah, let's let her sort of you know, enjoy that until she gets to an age and a maturity level in which she's questioning those things. So, um, yeah, that's so funny, man. Uh, because we had the exact same situation in our house. Yeah. I think the lesson was, uh, that we told little Rob was belief in what people believe is important. Just like what you believe is important. And right. I can't fact out your belief. I can't be like, well, the answer when you, Hey Siri, hey Alexa, you can't mm -hmm. fact out a bunch of beliefs and people will believe what they believe. Um, and some of those things won't make sense to you. Just like there's some things right. that you believe that won't make sense to other people. And that's okay too. Uh, so this is a truth for us. This is a truth for me. Right, right. It is relative. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there isn't necessarily, I mean, there are some universal truths, but not, I mean, kind of not really. It's like you... You know, yeah, there's people out there that believe all sorts of different things. And I think that that's a huge lesson that we're trying to learn even right now as a society. And we're all keeping up an interesting societal lie <laughs> around Christmas and Tooth Fairy. And it's like, is, is, it in, is it innocent? I don't know where it came from. Is it, is it innocent to True. say hardworking parents, middle class, lower working class parents are scraping by, borrowing, put on a credit card, to keep up an illusion of somebody else coming in and giving them presents. And it's a good versus bad there too. Like the good right. list, right? And even if you ask for a horse, well, the reason why there's no horse in the living room when you woke up on the 25th is because Santa determined. <laughs> right, you, true. Nah, doc, that's not, <laughs> we have an interesting, it's a, it's a weird thing. We have a thing. Yeah, we should actually do a follow-up for the holidays uh, <laughs> with an episode around I'll, this. I'll be on that episode. Yeah, no, you, you would have to be. I mean, this is what we would do. Um, man, there's so much stuff that I could talk to you about, but what I want to do is I want to have you create maybe three takeaways for our top three. So we're going to take a quick break. Rob's got top three pieces of, pieces of advice for other dads that are out there. Uh, your list is great, man. I can't wait to get to it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back with Rob Howard. A tribe called Dad. This is the top three. It's the top three. It's the top three. This is the top three. 
This is the top three. Yep, that's right. We've got Rob Howard joining me here, uh, obviously, virtually. Um, I'm so glad that you're here. You actually dropped so many gems. And by the way, anytime we're in conversation, there's always a bunch of things that I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you, you summed it up perfectly the way that you said this one thing. Um, and so I'm really glad that you're here. I think everybody who's tuning in probably feels the exact same way. So thank you for being here, man. Um, I want to get to a top three, top three pieces of pieces of advice for other dads. Uh, you ready? Here we go. Number one. Number one. Number one is be flexible. Mm. Um, and I think with flexibility, the, the, the image that pops on my mind is like a, a tree that is planted that can bend, not like a flimsy straw, but like there is a root and there is something that you're in, but be flexible to be able to withstand some push and some pull um, to be mm. able to move where you need to move, um, but still be grounded in what you believe in. Um, I like the idea that Bruce Lee talked about with the be water. Uh, I think as a father, you need to become whatever it is that you need to become while still remaining water. You are water. It doesn't mean become steam. It doesn't mean, mean become wall or become brick. Be what you are, but become what is needed for this situation. It might be steam for this. It might be cold mm -hmm. here. It might be, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. I like that idea as a parent because my father wasn't that. He didn't mm -hmm. show me a lot of uh, different looks. He was very predictable in the way that he showed up and the way that he didn't. And I think the pain that I had as a, as a kid was looking at how my dad didn't show up the ways that I wanted or needed. Mm. Um, and there was no place to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So being flexible. Was he a creative person or an entrepreneur? Mm -mm. My dad was born in 1925. Your dad was born in 1925? 1925. He's right down the street still. He was in World War II. He was wow. a cop. He was a boxer. He, <laughs> he was a lot of things, but he was not an entrepreneur. Uh, he was not college educated. He wasn't a people person, but he was good at sales and charming. So I think I got his gift of gab and his wit. Mm, mm. Uh, the reason why I asked that actually is because of the uh, the nature of being a creative in in our world or an entrepreneur. I mean, you have to learn the art of the pivot. And you yep. have to learn to be able to adapt to these different situations. And I feel like being an entrepreneur prepared me a lot for fatherhood. Absolutely. You know? looking, yeah. for, looking towards the reverse engineering, like I yep. wanna be this, I wanna arrive here, so how do we get there, go backwards from the, the end picture? Yep, um, yep. So I want my child to be like blah, blah, blah. I want my child to feel like blah, blah, blah. How do, what does it look like? Let's go backwards. I also love the visual that you just created. I instantly thought of a, like a palm tree. You know those big palm trees we have in LA that just sort of, and I wonder how, how do those stay up? And they've just got such deep roots and they look super skinny, but they've got deep roots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, love that. Um, all right, here we go. Number two. Number two. Number two. Number two is I think take care of yourself. Um, a lesson I think I learned from my mom and other parents, maybe in my life, uh, over my life, is that they cared so much about the job of parenthood that they lost sight of 
themselves, their own happiness, their own health, their own dream. Mm. And what that, there's something that that says to the person you're trying to love on as a parent, that you're trying to motivate and encourage. It's like, well, you, you don't, you don't take care of you. And now mm. I'm worried about you. You're not taking care of your happiness, but you say you want me to be happy. Right. Show me. I want to see a happy person if that's something that you believe I can be. Right. So like how you take care of yourself, how I take care of myself is a lesson that your children will listen to because you're not saying it. I don't think kids do a good job. I didn't do a good job. My kid doesn't do a good job of listening. Mm. They Mm. do a good job of paying attention. They will watch you. They will mimic you. Some of the things I say sounds like how my dad said it because he did it a million times or said it a million times around me. Mm-hmm. the lessons i don't remember the lessons per se it wasn't like let's sit down and take notes this is the lesson of the day so i think right. taking care of yourself is something that you do over time and you show yeah that's so true i mean they they pick up on everything even the things that we don't think they pick up on you know yep. and and yes agreed they may not remember verbatim what you said at all i mean at some point in time i, I see kids all the time that are just completely tuned out um and yet they're tuned out of what they're listening to, but they are picking up every little visual cue that is there. So, um, yeah, I agree with that. Um, how do you, how do you personally take care of yourself? Man, sleep is super important. Um, I personally am watching what I put into my body intentionally with supplements. Um, I have a huge list of supplements that I take every day. I also, Mm. uh, in October stopped eating fried food. Stopped okay. eating cheese. I stopped eating candy. Now I added, uh, since I got to a, a, a physique that I feel good with, um, I added like organic fruit snacks that are for kids. They're delicious. <laughs> nice. Candy replacement. I got an air fryer now, so I could do that. To How is that air fryer? Bruh, c- oh my yeah. gosh. My, my, <laughs> my not fried stuff from the air fryer, delicious. Wow. Yeah, my, my wife's been bugging me about the air fryer, and, I'm, and, I, and I like it too. Um, so we're, we will probably be in the market for an air fryer coming up Man, here soon. It's, it's worth it. And also okay. like sleep and water. I don't, I don't drink, um, alcohol. I never have. So I don't have that thing. My dad had that. That's why I don't, mm. um, stayed away from it. But I also saw the, the health part, like the mental health, the emotional health, and then like the body, like what it does with the calories and stuff. And I was like, ah, I don't need it. Right. Good for you, man. Good for you. Uh, I think that that's. That's all really important, right? I mean, we, we all want to be here for the next stage for our kids and all of that and for each other. Um, yeah, all right, here we go. Number three. Number three. I think number three is an idea um, that children are our teachers. Mm. Uh, there's a quote that James Baldwin um, has that I use all the time in my work at Restorative Justice and like helping kids or groups of people who help kids. The quote goes, um, for these are all our children and we will profit from or pay for whatever they become. Wow. The question behind the whatever they become is, well, whose impact makes them become what they become that will make us all pay for it or all profit from it? Mm -hmm. I hate the capitalistic side of that, but it's real um, to me. It works for me. Mm -hmm. I want my children and any child in my village to be something that benefits the world, the people of the world at that time, the energy of the world at that time. Um, for that to happen, 
um, I need to be paying attention and learning what they're seeking, learning what they're interested in, learning more about myself and my beliefs and my values and see how is this translating or not? How is mm. this connecting or not? If we're effectively teaching, if we're grading ourselves based on our ability to get them to learn or get them to understand or get them to grow, mm-hmm. us doing a good job of that is being able to learn from them. So mm-hmm. they're teaching us while we're trying to teach them. So they are the teachers, they're the mirrors. Uh, it's a, an idea. Yeah, uh, man, I love that idea. Um, and it's so true. I mean, I think for me as somebody who does teach, um, I find so much gain and benefit in in teaching. It literally is a mirror. Like I understand this concept so much better because I've now taught it. And and at the same time, you know, in the process of teaching somebody something, you're learning all sorts of things about yourself, um, both positive and negative. Yes. Yeah. If you can't make it simple, then you don't know it well enough. (laughs) Absolutely. No, 100%. And I think that that is... Uh, when you look at the end product and you're saying, hey, my goal is to get this person to understand this in a, in a deeper way or to be able to, you know, grow with this concept, then yeah, I mean, that in part, right, that's that's a product of your teaching. And I feel, you know, we do this all the time, I think, as parents. Um, and at the same time, I think I had a conversation with a, um, a therapist recently uh, who was saying that it's also important to acknowledge that kids uh, will also have their own unique personalities and will have their own, you know, things about them. So everything that we teach them isn't necessarily a a true reflection. There is a reflection, but it's not one-to-one, right? It's not exactly like, I taught you that, therefore you should be a a better person because of that. That's the Western model of education that doesn't work with a lot of folks, especially our marginalized communities. It's the idea that I'm the expert and Mm -hmm. you're not. And your job, because you're lucky, is to pay attention to what I say and remember it. Right. I'm going to effectively teach you when I should know my stuff. So some people go and get degrees and get experience and get research. That's cool. But if I want to exchange information to find Mm. out what information can fit here or what is needed here and is unique to you, not just a cookie cutter, everyone gets the same way. I need to learn you. I need to understand you. Mm-hmm. I need to pay attention to you. So teach me more about you. Teach me about your curiosities, your uniqueness, your similarities. Mm. Then I can better figure this out. Mm-hmm. Every haircut ain't gonna work on everybody. Everybody ain't gonna look nice in the same outfit. Right. So you do that. Well, I should learn about you and your interests and your likes and your function. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's so true as a parent as well right is that every child is different your your firstborn child is different than your secondborn child and on down the line and also what works for your kid is different than what might work for my kid and like that's okay and we can learn something though by sharing some of this information which is you know why we have this podcast but you know we should share this information and say hey this worked for me. I'm not saying that it will work for every kid, but this happened and this was great. You know, like every kid that's out there may not work well with this idea that we just exposed of telling your kid about Santa Claus. No, that kid might not work for that kid. Right. Right. 
Um, and I think that's that's such a great way to approach fatherhood, parenthood is to treat and learn from your kid. Like learn how they respond best. Learn how they can um, really accelerate and try to foster that. Yeah, everything's right now is about equality, 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 or um, you know, equanimity is another word that's coming up right, or equity is another word that's coming up. Mm. And I think that's important to talk about, but everyone's not the same. Mm -hmm. Children are mine. Um, even mine, the word mine. Mm. Like, ah, I don't like that word today. <laughs> I don't like the way I sounded when I said it. Right. But are they mine? Mm. Like, oh, that's another episode, but <laughs> they're not the same. Mm. And what do they need? Mm hmm. Is it fair to my daughter for me to look at what I think she needs based on what my son needed? Mm -hmm. Or should I learn from her? Let her teach me what works and doesn't work, what needs yeah. she has. Can I move and shift and become water? Water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Man, such a great conversation. Um, we got to do it again. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to get you to dust off that, that, uh, roadcaster over there, man. We're going to, we're going to get a regular thing going with you. Hey, I'm down. This is beautiful. You, I have notes in my phone from what you just said on this podcast. I'm like, oh man, why did that word? Oh, that's a good idea. What was the quote? I just didn't have it. Like, yeah, it's helped me too, bro. Hey man, uh, it is absolutely mutual. I will be listening back to this episode over and over again and taking notes. Cause you have all these quotables for sure. Uh, Rob Howard, a pleasure having you here. I just want to remind everybody, uh, we've got links back to all of Rob, Rob's stuff on uh, atribecalleddad.com, so make sure to go and check that out. Check out the profile that we've built for Rob there. And um, if you like this podcast, please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you listening in. And we usually like to end things like this. Dads are better than moms. Dads are better than moms. Guys are better than mommy. Sorry. Sorry. See you next time. <laughs>